Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good afternoon. I just want to add my welcome uh, to Nick and Ronias. If you are new this morning, if you're visiting, if this is your first time in this church or the first time in church um, for a while, then uh, we're, really, we're really glad that you've come uh, to be part of our gathering. I was going to say this morning again, this afternoon by now. Um, if you have been around for the last couple of weeks, you will know that we've been in a series and I have the pleasure of bringing this little series into its glorious conclusion. And I hope it will be a glorious conclusion, let's see. And if you've been paying attention, you will know that this punchy little series has been uh, built around this one verse that we find in scripture, uh, 1 Peter 3.15. In fact, it's not even the whole verse, it's like the last three quarters of the verse. Uh, And so the verse is gonna pop up on the screen uh, do you remember, do you remember it? Yeah, thank you, Ron. Ron you're, anyone else remember? Yes, we have been jumping in, diving into this verse. So here we go. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. Always be prepared. Be prepared in the secret place when it's just you and God. Prepare your hearts through worshiping like we've done this morning, through praying to God, through opening up God's Word, the Bible. Fall so completely and utterly in love with Jesus that your devotion to Him just wants to like burst out of your mouth and off of your hands in the most authentic and compassionate way. But don't just be prepared in the secret place between you and God, but be prepared in the public space. Be constantly looking for opportunities to share with people this hope that you have found in Jesus. Don't let a day go by without asking God for an opportunity to share, to tell somebody about this incredible hope that you have found in Jesus. Even, even when you don't feel like it, even when it's inconvenient, even when you feel scared to death, even if you might look stupid, even if it risks your reputation, even when you can't be bothered, even when you feel like you're in the pits, even when you think that the other person isn't gonna like what you're saying, ask the Holy Spirit to prepare you, to fill you with the courage and the boldness that so often is required to share and the intentionality that is also so often required to share with other people that don't know Jesus, this faith that we have found in Him. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. To who? To everyone. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope, the hope. You're meant to say hope there. For the hope that you have. Make sure that your life is so overflowing with this hope that comes from Jesus. Make sure it is so overflowing, not just in the good times, but in the bad times, so that people cannot help but ask where it comes from. 
that your life is like a living testimony of this hope that we find in Jesus in all seasons. That they, they see this hope exuding from every part of your life, from your relationships, from the way that you treat people, from your work ethic, from the choices that you make, from the outlook that you have on life, from the way that you spend your money and use your time. You see, this is a hope that isn't something that we just muster up. You know, let's just try and be more hopeful. No, this is a hope that is given. It's given by the Holy Spirit. It's a hope that we choose. We choose to receive it by grace. We don't earn it. We don't muster it up. We receive it by His grace. This isn't a hope. This isn't a hope that just sort of sweeps like the difficult stuff of life under the carpet, like toxic hope, toxic positivity. No, this is, this is a hope that is resilient. This is a hope that is robust, robust to life's hardest challenges and trials. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that's where we're headed this morning, that last part of the verse that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. And you know, our desire, when we sort of plan these series together, you know, our desire for this series is that little verse, that little verse would get tucked away somewhere in your heart and in your mind, that you would store it away somewhere, that you would return to it over and over again, that it would just keep on inspiring you, it would keep on instructing you, it would keep on reminding you of the hope that you have found in Jesus, but more than that, that it would remind you that this hope that you have in Jesus needs to be shared. It needs to be shared with those that don't know what it's like to live in the hope that is given by Jesus. You know, yesterday I went to the ball ring, love going to the ball ring. Anyone else love going to the ball ring? Well, there seem to be a lot of people that love going to the ball ring. Uh, I took my, my teenage daughter there because that's the thing that teenagers do apparently on a Saturday. And so I thought while my daughter was shopping with her friends, uh, I would just look over my notes for this message today. Uh, and so I headed to Starbucks. Do you know that Starbucks in, in the ball ring like on the corner? Uh, yeah, it, it was busy, and so I, I headed for a table like right at the back, and I, I sat down with my back sort of against the rest of the coffee shop, and I, I was looking out of the window. There's this huge window in that Starbucks that overlooks the concrete steps that lead down to St. Martin's Church. Do you know the one? Yeah. And I was sat there just sort of people watching out of the window, and there were like streams of, I mean, like maybe hundreds of people making their way up that concrete flight of steps and into the ballroom. All kinds of different people, all ages, all skin colors, all backgrounds, just all kinds of people streaming into the ballroom with this church just sat behind them. And I wasn't thinking specifically about that church, but more what it represented in that moment, because as I looked at that scene, I began to imagine what it would take for the church to feel relevant to the masses again. What would it take? What would it take for this hope 
that we find in Jesus to be, to be the message that so many get to hear. And you know what I realized is what it would take for the tide to turn, is it would take every single person who has discovered that hope in Jesus just to put this verse into practice. That's what it would take. I mean, we pray for this move of God. We pray for revival and we're right to pray. But this is what revival looks like. Every person that has found hope in Jesus to put that verse into practice. Wow, what a difference that would make in our city. Those walking without the hope of Jesus, hearing about it through us, through imperfect people like me and you. And so as we jump into the final part of this series, I wanna confess that as I sat down to prepare this message, I, I sort of picked off a few books on our bookshelf, books that I'd read in the past, some that I hadn't. And these were books written by people that were really good at sharing their faith with people that don't know Jesus. And I was reading all these amazing stories about how they led all these people to following Jesus in the most extraordinary and like pretty miraculous ways. And I would recommend having a read of some of those books because it's super inspiring. And as I read them, I did feel simultaneously incredibly inspired. I felt challenged and convicted, but I also felt horribly inadequate. I just felt a bit inadequate, because I don't stand up here and deliver this message as the brilliant evangelist. You just come and learn from me. I've got this sorted. No, I've been following Jesus. I've been living in that amazing hope that comes from knowing Jesus for 20 plus years. And in that 20 plus years, I have had the incredible privilege of personally leading people to this hope in Jesus. From, I remember leading my, my, my teenage friend Andrea in school to Jesus. And then other close family members, neighbors, work, some work colleagues, people that I've met on Alpha, and you know, some of those people I've known for a long time, some I only knew for a very short time, but I have also bottled it from sharing my faith on more occasions than I can even begin to recall. I have also invited dozens and dozens, possibly hundreds of people to church or to Alpha who have categorically said no, <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, I have prayed, I've prayed for loads and loads of people to find faith in Jesus. And sometimes it feels like nothing happens, nothing changes. There have been many times where I felt so close to God, you know, so, so aware of that hope, so, so filled up, so fired up, maybe in a gathering like this or in my own times of prayer, when I've thought I might just like pop with this desire to share with other people this amazing hope that I get to experience all the time that I've found in Jesus. And when I've experienced this like deep longing, this deep compassion, this desire for others to know Him, for others to experience His love, oh my goodness, His love, His amazing love. I, 
I felt compelled out the door, and then as I've stepped out my front door or out those front doors, I felt all that confidence and all that conviction just kind of drain away against the reality of life. Anyone else experienced that? You know, there have been times where I've just been afraid of what others might think of me. You know, like at the school gates, I don't want to be like the crazy Bible basher parent, you know? That's not how I want to be known. You know, that, that fear of how I'll be perceived has often sort of eradicated any sense of conviction that I should share this amazing hope that I have in Jesus. You know, there have been people, there have been people at times where I've just written them off, people in my life that I've looked at and thought, nah, they, they just wouldn't want anything to do with this hope that I have in Jesus. There've also been times where I felt distant from God, where I have doubted His goodness, honestly, at times doubted His existence, or times where I feel like I've messed it up so colossally that the thought of then sharing my faith just feels kind of pointless or impossible or maybe insincere. And then honestly, there've been times in my life where I have just been too busy, too busy to even think about the possibility of being intentional or, dare I say, interruptible enough to share my faith, to share this hope that I have in Jesus. I don't know what your experience is of sharing your faith, sharing this hope in Jesus with others that don't know Him. Maybe it's a bit like mine. It's been a bit of a mixed bag. Maybe for some of us, it's been mostly positive. You've got some amazing stories of sharing your faith. Maybe you are like an invitation machine. We need some of those in our church. Maybe you just feel a bit discouraged. Maybe you have stepped out and invited someone or started a conversation and you've just got knocked back and you feel a bit discouraged, a bit disheartened. Maybe you've never tried. Maybe you've never tried initiating a conversation with someone about your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's, it's never occurred to you that it's even something that you should do. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're visiting or you've been brought along by a friend or you're just exploring faith and, and you don't have this hope that I've been talking about and so the thought of sharing anything might seem slightly alien. Maybe for others, it's like you, you, you just don't feel like you have the words. You wouldn't, wanna, you wouldn't know what to say. You don't have the answers to the questions that people are asking. You know, my, my prayer, my prayer for those that don't know Jesus in this room, my prayer for you is that you would come to know and experience this amazing hope that is only found in Jesus. And my prayer for this church, my prayer for this church is that we would feel simultaneously convinced and compelled. Can you say that? Convinced and compelled. Convinced and compelled that we would be so convinced of, of other people's desperate need for this hope in Jesus. And yet so compelled to go out, to go out and share this hope, to share the faith that we have found in Jesus. And so then why, why does Peter tell us then to share our faith with gentleness and respect? Why does he do that? Like they are not the words that I would choose, honestly, in the context of this verse. 
And I've actually wrestled with this over the last couple of weeks. Can we be like convinced, convinced of other people's need for this hope in Jesus, compelled to go out and share it with them and be gentle? Is that compatible? Can we do that? Not like gently convinced and compelled, but like convinced and compelled and gentle and gentle. What does that look like? What does that mean? You know, usually if I'm convinced that I'm right about something, and you can ask my husband about this, if I feel compelled to tell others that I have got the answer, that I know the right way to go, my go-to response is not gentleness. I can tell you that much. But this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. So often the way of Jesus is countercultural and it's certainly counterintuitive. And as I've wrestled with this instruction to be convinced and compelled to share this hope, but do it with gentleness, and I want to focus in on the word gentleness, because respect I get. I get respect, but gentleness. What I've realized is that gentleness manifests itself in three important ways when it comes to sharing our faith. Number one, gentleness is kindness. And actually, you know, when I've, when I've thought about it, when I've thought about the Gospels, the life of Jesus, all the stories that we read through the Gospels of these encounters that Jesus had, and if you've not read the Gospels, if you don't know Jesus, let me encourage you, pick up a Bible, open Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus through these encounters that we see him have in the Bible. Because what you'll notice is that Jesus is so kind. And you know who he's particularly kind to? He's particularly kind to the ones that think that they don't qualify for the hope that is found in Jesus. He is particularly kind to the ones that feel like they are on the outside. He's so kind. And if you're here, and that is a surprise to you, if the Jesus that you have been told about is anything but kind, then it's not Jesus. He's so kind. You know, Tim and I lived in London um, quite a number of years ago now. And our four older children were little at the time, and they, at different times, went to this nursery school that was the end of our road. And as a result, I got to know loads of mums in our local area through, through the nursery school. And we were kind of in and out of each other's houses. My house was constantly full of mums and their little ones and our kids exchanged germs and illnesses, you know, that sort of thing. And there was one friend that I'd been getting to know and she had had kind of a bad experience when it comes to faith. She'd, she'd gone to Catholic school and it hadn't been like a great advert for her, for the Christian faith. And on the surface, she was like this strong, tough, kind of typical London career woman. She was actually quite intimidating uh, and really argumentative, to be honest. Uh, and initially it was like her walls were up. I just sort of got her defenses. But as we got to know each other, the walls began to come down and she, she began to open up. And one day, one Saturday, I decided that I should make this friend a batch of brownies. And I just have to tell you, my brownies are amazing. 
yeah, they are, aren't they? Hope knows. They're pretty good. Uh, and so I just, I, just, I just felt compelled to make her a batch of brownies. I, I don't really know why, but I just thought, I, I need to make her some brownies. It was a busy Saturday. We were heading off to a wedding. And again, anyone that has tried to get ready for a wedding with small children will know it is a military operation. And so Tim, my husband, was a little stressed. I'm like, no, I've got to make these brownies. So that was sort of thrown into the mix. Uh, and so we made the brownies. Uh, we, we drove past a house, like round the corner. I had my rollers in, ready for the wedding. I jumped out, knocked on a door and said, hey, I've just made you some brownies, boom, off we went. I didn't think much of it. You know what? Over the next few months, she never stopped talking about those brownies. Not because they were amazing, obviously, but because she couldn't believe that anyone would just do something spontaneously kind like that. Now, I know that you can be kind like that and not have hope in Jesus. I know that. But there was something about me doing that took me half an hour to whip up those brownies. It was something about me doing that that spoke to her about the kindness of Jesus. And you know, we, we carried on chatting. She came and did Alpha with me and she began her own journey to faith in Jesus. You know, people are rarely, rarely convinced of this hope that we have in Jesus when we argue with them. <laughs> you notice that? When we like, Tell them that we're right. You know, people connect with kindness. Our world is so harsh. Don't you find that sometimes? Just existing in this world at times, it is so harsh. Everyone's out for themselves. I just wonder if one of the greatest adverts for the hope that we have in Jesus is kindness. It's kindness. It's like a balm. It's like an antidote. You know, kindness is so disarming. It's so disarming. And you know, you know what kindness is really good at? Kindness is so good at listening. I meet so many people who all they want is just for someone to listen to them, to listen to them. It's not incompatible for us to be so convinced of other people's need for this, uh, this hope and so compelled to go and share them and yet deliver it with gentleness. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. In Galatians, another book of the Bible, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Basically, what this means is, is when you are so full up of God, when you are so filled with the Holy Spirit, what will come out of you are those things. It's a pretty awesome list, isn't it? But it's the same Holy Spirit that when we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, it's the same Holy Spirit that also convinces us and compels us. Have you noticed that so many of those fruits of the Spirit that I just listed off. Have you noticed how so many of them relate to the way that we react and respond and treat people? The way that we relate to people, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit within us, it stops us from dehumanizing people. It, it, it stops us from seeing people as anything other than children of God. Beautiful creation, but in sharing our faith with gentleness. It also looks like vulnerability. So number one, gentleness is kindness, but number two, gentleness is vulnerability. 
to choose gentleness in sharing our faith is to, is to take on a posture of vulnerability. You know, I used to think, I used to think that in order to, for my friends to, to sort of really see this hope that I have found in Jesus, then I needed to be like this perfect, smiley, shining, like poster girl of Christianity. That, that's what I thought. That I, you know, that if they saw that there was anything wrong with my life, that somehow it would be a distraction from this amazing hope, that because I have this amazing hope in Jesus, nothing goes wrong in my life, every day's a good day. And actually what I realized is that it was a way more powerful message when I was just honest and vulnerable and authentic about the good times and the bad times. That yes, you know what? I don't know how we're gonna pay the bills this month, but I have hope in Jesus. You know, yeah, we're battling sickness in our family, but I have hope in Jesus. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of bed tomorrow, but I have hope in Jesus. You know, our strengths impress people, but our vulnerabilities connect us to people. Gentleness is kindness, gentleness is vulnerability, and thirdly, gentleness is surrender. Gentleness in surrender. Again, if we're gonna take on gentleness in the way that we communicate this hope that we have in Jesus, it's to take a posture of surrender. We're in a spiritual battle. That might be unusual language for those of you that don't know Jesus, that are new to faith, but, but we have an enemy. There is an enemy that hates it when this hope that is found in Jesus gets any airtime whatsoever. You know, this enemy hates it when God's people are so convinced and so compelled by this hope in Jesus that they dare share it with anybody else. And it's so tempting, isn't it, when we do get convinced and we do get compelled to, to try and get this message across using the ways of the culture around us, the ways of the world to fight with the weapons of the culture around us, like aggression, arrogance, self-righteousness, judgmentalism, offense. But to choose gentleness means to fight with the weapon of the kingdom. And the weapon of the kingdom is surrender. Surrender sounds like weakness. It is. But surrender also sounds like resignation, like, oh, well, you know, if God's gonna do it, then I don't really need to play an active role. No, 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 no. No, 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 there's no resignation in surrender. Surrender means I can be gentle of heart with those around me and then and then I can I can come to God and when it's just me and God I can do battle in prayer I can do battle in prayer I can be gentle of heart to the people in my life to the people that I encounter but I can pray I can intercede for those that don't have this hope I can stamp my feet I can cry out for the people that don't live in the amazing hope of Jesus. I can invite the Holy Spirit to fill me again and again to convince me and to compel me about this hope again. And then I can go out and I can choose to be bold and intentional in my kindness, in my gentleness. 
and I can hand over the outcome to God. I can hand it over because he has won the battle ultimately. In a moment, I'm going to invite Mark. Ronya mentioned that Mark was going to share. He's going to come up in just a moment. He's going to share his story of finding this hope, of coming on Alpha here at Gastry. But I just want to end quickly with this. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that there is this correlation in my life. There's this correlation between the time that I spend in prayer, the time that I spend reading through the Gospels, the, the, the Scriptures, the time that I spend just in worship, in the presence of God, and the extent to which I want to share my faith. I want to share this hope with other people. It's no coincidence that Peter, Peter, who we've been reading, Peter shared this hope that he found in Jesus to 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. You know, that there's no coincidence that that moment was preceded by fervent prayer in the upper room. There is a connection between the time that we invest, spending time in God's presence, hearing from Him, receiving His power, His love, His compassion, His conviction, and the desire that we have to then go and share it with other people. It's a very simple equation. We're gonna pray in just a moment, but Mark, why don't you come up? Is there a microphone? Thanks, Ronya. You come and stand here. This is Mark, guys, why don't you give him a warm welcome. You take a step forward, and then these guys can see you as well. I know it's a bit awkward for us, but I want them to see you. Um, so Mark, you came to Gas Street a, a short while ago, really, and then you came to Alpha, and you've been on this faith journey. Uh, what I wanna ask you first is, why don't you just paint a picture of what life was like uh, before you found this hope in Jesus. Morning, everyone. Oh, Mike. Good morning, everyone. Um, life for me before um, I even knew about Gas Street, uh, and and immediately before knowing Gas Street, and for months and for years even before Gas Street, um, life for me was it was despair. It was um, it was a place of being lost, being destitute. Um, of hopelessness, of bad choices, poor relationships. Um, I was going through the motions of life, but I wasn't, I wasn't really living life. And um, many times it got to a point where I just didn't want to live anymore. And, uh, and having those, those kind of thoughts about not living and thinking about maybe ways that I could do that in a painless way. Um, yeah, it was a point of desperation and, um, yeah, it was pretty dark, lonely, disconnected, yeah. And so then you, you, you came here one Sunday, I think, had your partner found it online or something like she that? Did, yeah. And so tell us what happened. So, so yeah, so Emma, my partner, she found, um, she found the YouTube stream online, um, she was watching it. I don't remember watching it, but I do remember... Um, her asking me um, if I wanted to come along to the church, and I, and, I, and I don't know what it was. There was just there was just something um, in me, like um, 
like not, not even a glimmer of hope, something less, less than that, but something that got me to say, yes, come on, let's go. And, um, and that's what we did. We came, we came to Gas Street, and I, and I remember um, I always sit now where, uh, where you guys are at the front, generally, so I can be fully immersed. Um, but walking in for the first time, uh, we sat on the on the back row. Oh, sorry, we wasn't. We didn't sit because the worship music was going. And, sorry, and uh, yeah, we um, we we stood there on the back, and uh, and and within within seconds or or, or a minute or so, <clears throat> I had this um, intense, overwhelming emotion uh, just come up from inside of me and and gush out in tears and floods and floods and floods of tears. My body started trembling. I didn't want it to happen, but I couldn't stop it happening. And it must have gone on for like, you know, 10 minutes or, or however long. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, I remember that uh, Emma asked me on the way out, she says, what was that? And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't answer the question. I, I, I said, I, I literally, I says, I can't answer that question. It was literal, I couldn't answer it. And she asked me the next day, and, um, and I, then I was able to answer it as I, as I understood it then. Um, and it, for me, it was a giving up, just giving up the fight, uh, a surrender, you know, just, I don't know, it was like a cleansing. It was, it's really still difficult to describe, but it was, it was enough, it was enough for me to want to come back. Yeah, um, and whenever, you know, I don't know whether it was the next week or the week after I came back. I'm, st I'm still unsure, but I think it was you. I'm, I'm claiming that it was me. Yeah, let's go with that. I've, actually, now I know the date. I think I might have been on holiday. But anyway, <laughs> let's just pretend it was me. And um, this, it, was, it was a great service. And It was uh, definitely me then, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, I, and I remember um, being called out, you know, and saying anybody wants to pray. I'm very self-conscious. I know it doesn't seem right right now, but I'm, I'm pretty, I can be pretty self-conscious in front of people. I don't do the whole... I do now, because I don't feel as self-conscious now. Um, but anyway, walking forward was really difficult for me. Um, but I really needed prayer and, and Tebu. Tebo. Yeah. Tebo. Um, he came over to me, and uh, you know that 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 gentleness. But that is there anything that you want praying for? And the, and uh, and and there was something very specific that I asked him to pray for, and he prayed for that. And there was there was something in that prayer, you know, like 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 he knew my whole life. There were things that he prayed about that he couldn't possibly have known about. Um, and I walked back to uh, where I was sitting, about three rows back that time. I was getting closer and closer to the front. Um, and, um, and, and I remember when I, I got back and I was standing there, there was, um, there was you know, the salvation prayer that you'll, you'll hear it at the end. Um, but most of you know the salvation prayer that we, that we uh, repeat. And, um, and I said that. I didn't really understand what it was. Well, I understood the, understood the words and the feeling. Um, but I remember my eyes being closed and it felt like God 
sort of tapped me on the shoulder and says, you know, are you ready now? So, um, and then uh, that was the that was August 20, August 21, uh, when that happened. Um, and so tell us about your experience on Alpha, because I know that was sort of, again, a key next step for you. How did you, how did you find Alpha? I have no idea how I found it, but I, I can tell you I experienced it. Yeah, yeah, I can't even remember. Um, obviously, it was mentioned. Um, so Alpha, so I remember um, going to Alpha, and it was meant to be a physical meeting, uh, uh, and it wasn't. It turned into a Zoom, but I'd had the email and everything. Um, so I started, I started to uh, attend Alpha. I missed the first one. I missed the first one. I went to the second one. Um, it was a very small group that I was in. There was about, well, I know exactly how many there were. There were four, one, two, three, four of us. Um, and four facilitators or hosts, um, as we know them. And I guess my, fir my, my first thought or feeling was that it was non-judgmental. I just didn't feel judged in any way. I felt like I could be who I really was. I felt like I could say what I wanted, be open, be authentic. That happened in a very, very short time. I felt, felt started to feel really comfortable. As I'm sorry, as did everyone else uh, on the group. We started to, you know, uh, converse with one another. Um, yeah, it was just. It was, a, it, was just a, it was just a space that was being held really well, a loving space. Um, no dogma, no judgment, because if there was any of that, I would have run off a mile anyway. So I'm not into all the preachy stuff and all that. So, um, And then there was, a, there was a Saturday. Yeah, there was a, normally there's a, there's a weekend when you go on Alpha, there's a weekend, you go away. Well, um, as, as was a Saturday at St. Luke's, it was a breakfast, a really nice breakfast. And, um, and it was on that, it was, it was actually on that Saturday I was introduced to um, that, you know, when we pray and we can pray with our, um, with our hands open and, and being, you know, inviting the Lord. And, and it's great as well because when, you know, at first I might, be, I might have been self-conscious, but the, the, the wonderful thing about that is then we can start um, relaxing and it's not really about everybody that's about, um, it, it's about connecting, um, connecting with Jesus, connecting with God. Um, and the, and uh, I remember James Levy mentioning baptism. And uh, the baptism was going to be about three weeks away from this, uh, this Saturday that I was at. And, um, and we walked out, Emma was with me because she switched groups, because she, she, I was going on about this group and she switched groups and, uh, and she says to me as we was walking out, she, she says, are you going to get baptised then? And, um, <clears throat> and I said, yeah, but not in three weeks' time. There's no chance. There's no way that's happening. And, and the reason for me um, saying that is because I felt so unworthy. I felt so full of sin and just that bad character, just how could I possibly go and get baptised and make a public declaration of this amazing relationship when I'm so full of murkiness and muddy water and, 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 and God 
like James said last week, God's still got a lot of pruning to do with me. You know, I'm not, not a poster boy like you were saying, yeah? And, um, and the great thing was I was able to reach out to somebody, one of the, one of the guys that was hosting Alpha. And uh, we've become really, really close friends. Uh, I didn't have any idea what discipleship was, but that's, um, that's something that's come from that as well. And I reached out to him. You know, I wanted to be able to just be honest and open with somebody about where I was really at, my behaviours, my thinking, and, and that, that sense of unworthiness. And, uh, and I met with him. And um, I says, look, I said, look, this is what's going on in my life. Um, I, I feel like I'm being called for baptism, um, but th- this is how I feel and this is why. And, and, and that the beautiful thing, you know, about um, confession, you know, about being able to speak it out loud, you know, all that stuff um, to somebody else where there's going to be no judgment. And it's, oh man, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I explained that my life felt like Romans 7. So why is it that I do what I don't want to do when I don't want to do something? It's that very thing that I do. What is this thing within me? What a wretched man, man I am. Who will save me? And he said, have you ever turned over the page and looked at Romans 8? I said, no. So we did. And, um, you know, and when I read those words, there's no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. When I read those words and I allowed those words, I allowed those words to be absorbed, yeah, then the Spirit just did its work. You know, Christ was working through Jez, my friend, my brother in Christ, uh, and then the, and the Spirit's been working through me. And, and since then, lots of stuff's been happening. Um, do you want to continue? I've got one last question. Yeah, go ahead. Because I know, I know um, so much has changed in your life. You, I think you've invited, is it four or five people to Alpha that's starting I've invited, next week? I've invited more, but four are coming. Yeah, okay, yeah. there you go. So I guess there's been this change. How would you, in a nutshell, how would you define the, the change that Jesus, this hope in Jesus has made to your life. Clearly, you want to tell other people about it. So how would you define, how do you describe it? Could you repeat the question, please? How, how, I know, sorry, there was a lot in there. I was getting carried away. How would you define the difference that Jesus has made in your life? <sighs> the difference is, I can only speak about the reality of right now, yeah? No, I can't, I can speak about other stuff as well, but right now, I feel absolute peace. There is stuff going on right now, outside of this building, in my life, um, that's challenging. But I have peace, I have confidence in Christ and in the Lord. I don't feel that I need to go and fix it. You know, Mark with his Superman cape that I used to attempt to do all the, all the while, over and over again, and you know, the, the road to hell, paved with good intention and all that. So I, this peace, this, this connection, this 
uh, relationship. I, I, I can only say that, you know, like, I've got, I've got, I've got to mention it because it's just, I've, I've got to, uh, James, two weeks ago, he, he, he gave this, he talked about prayer in, and, and I, made a, I made a commitment to pray every day from half six for 30 minutes. I thought that was realistic, yeah? But God had this other thing in mind, yeah? So I woke up at 2.20 the first day, like 20 past two in the morning, and it was just, it just felt natural to get up and go downstairs. But something different happened in my prayer life. Because I didn't need to speak words. Um, it, was, it was amazing just to be there and say, right, I'm here. Please draw me towards you let me I want to be in your presence it's all I want it's all I want that's the difference in my life that's all I want to be in his presence I'm not perfect I'd say I make mistakes they're not even mistakes I make poor choices yeah but I know that to you I'm this beautiful amazing wonderful child and you love me unreservedly that's my experience. Amazing. Thank you so much. Amazing. Why don't we stand? Can I invite the band to come up? Let's just stand together. We're going to take a few moments to pray. Thank you, Mark, for that amazing story. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.